Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is Muhammad Abdul Wahab, who is the National Manager for Pharmacy Regulatory and Compliance at Ascension. After obtaining a bachelor's in pre-professional biology from the Florida Institute of Technology, Mo attended Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine in Bradenton, Florida to obtain his doctorate of pharmacy degree. He then completed a PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency at Broward Health Medical Center in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and also completed a PGY-2 in health system pharmacy administration and an executive pharmacy leadership and supply chain management fellowship at Ascension and the resource group. And the resource group is uh, Ascension's GPO. We can definitely get into a little bit more with Ascension. Uh, But additionally, Mo obtained his master of Health Services Administration from uh, the Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. He is certified as a Six Sigma Green Belt, has served on multiple state and national pharmacy association committees, and in his current role, Mo is responsible for ensuring regulatory and compliance for the pharmacy space that includes sterile compounding, controlled substances, and the Joint Commission compliance at Ascension. Mo, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or share a little bit about your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I currently live in St. Louis and work for Ascension. And as mentioned, I have the the pleasure of dealing with the minute responsibilities of dealing with anything Joint Commission, DEA um, and USP. Um, I also like to, from personal level, I I like to to hike. I do a lot of scuba diving and and, uh, mountaineering. Um, And I play a lot of sports. Um, I like music and uh, I enjoy uh, an adult sour beverage of beer every once in a while too. So (laughs) my hobbies in in St. Louis, it's a great place to be if you like music and if you like beer and food. So it works well so far. Very good. Well, I always love to hear a little bit more about uh, the the personal side of our guest uh, because I think people like to be able to relate to that. And so, um, getting outdoors and having a good time is and having balance is is always good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mo, when we were uh, talking, uh, you were down in Nashville a couple months ago. Uh, Ascension does a really neat. A thing called Medical Missions at Home. And and all across uh, their hospitals, they will host a day of caring for the poor and basically open up a free day of medical care. And it's a great way to serve the community. Um, But I also enjoy it because I get to connect with uh, pharmacists who are volunteering and and you came down from St. Louis, and we were talking a little bit about your story. And I loved hearing about how entrepreneurial you are. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to uh, talk with you on the show and uh, for you to be able to, to tell um, our listeners and especially our students um, 
how are some ways that they can find an opportunity and leverage that to improve patient care? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a little bit of background. So I was a P3 student at the time um, trying to save money for uh, residency interviews uh, as they tend to be pretty expensive. Um, And I really didn't have a job at the time. I was really focused more on leadership positions. I was student government president. Um, I was involved with APHA and ASHP and and multiple other organizations. But I really wanted to also volunteer. One of the things that really close to my heart is helping the poor and vulnerable and those who can't help themselves. Uh, We had an opportunity at LECOM that one of our pharmacy faculty also works at an indigent clinic while they've been able to provide the indigent population and homeless population with health care. It's a collaboration with one of the hospitals there that started a few years back um, due to the fact there's a high readmission rate for that population to that hospital. And, and the hospital put some money aside as well as some of their res- medical residents um, to help build this clinic and pharmacy was involved in that. So I, I went there and I asked them if they wanted to volunteer and they said, yeah, absolutely. What do you want to do? And I was like, well, let me do the medic- medication reconciliation part and the med history part. Um, and like, yeah, we, our medical um, assistants usually do that, uh, doesn't do a really good job with it. So I took the responsibility and that's how I started in, the, in that clinic. And um, as I was volunteering for a few months, uh, the conversation came, was like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I'm also trying to find a job. And um, we had the pleasure of working with an independent pharmacy and they're in Bradenton that helped provide those patients with um, medications that otherwise they can't afford. Simple medication like uh, high blood pressure medications, um, diabetes medications, um, ibuprofen, just simple things really for those patients that they really can't afford otherwise. So they're like, well, why don't you go work in that pharmacy um, and you, you'll be able to kind of work on both sides. So I'll be working on the prescribing, working with those physicians and the pharmacy team there, but also working on the dispensing side of the pharmacy. So I had the, the pleasure of working there with, with a gentleman. His name is Vishal. He owns the pharmacy with his wife. Um, and it started really just looking at the process. So we used to get a lot of prescription for uh, medications that we couldn't, we couldn't give out. Uh, they were slightly expensive. There was other generic alternatives uh, that's easier to do, especially working with a lot of new residents that rotate through that um, clinic. And um, I went back and I said, well, why do we have to keep calling the clinic every single time that we have a blood pressure medication that we want to switch from an R to an ACE? Or every time, um, you know, next thing at the time was, was a brand name. So why do we have to switch that and call every single time? Why can we build a, a collaborative practice agreement which at Florida at the time was was not really a thing. Um, but why can we build something like a collaborative practice agreement where pharmacy can change those uh, medications without having to consult the physician? Mm-hmm. I talked to the physician there. They loved it. They're like, yeah, we keep getting calls for these medications because we're not really sure what's on formulary, what's not on formulary. And um, that's how we, we started that part. And the next step was like, okay, well, why are we prescribing these medications uh, what's the issue with that? And they're like, okay, well, how about we give access to the EHR, to the pharmacy, so they're able to verify like, if they can't read a note, if they can read a prescription, or if they're not really sure if that's the right medication, they'll be able to log into the system and kind of read the note. So we started that part of it. 
And um, as we kind of thinking about it and looking around, I figured out, like, okay, well, we've been doing this, optimizing these, patient, uh, these patients' medications. Um, why can't we start doing MTM? And that was in starting 2012, 2013. So MTM was really just starting to kick in and, and starting to become more popular. Um, so I went mm-hmm. to Vishal um, and I said, okay, Vishal, why don't we start an MTM service uh, to be able to provide that? There's really no other pharmacies around. There's only one Walgreens at the time that was doing it. Why can't we do that and um, bring some revenue to the, to, the, to the clinic? And he said, okay, well, we, I don't have the, the resources to do that. And I said, well, how about this? Why don't I manage that program and I will take 50% of whatever revenue that we get. And I'll manage the programs. I'll bring the insurance. I'll, I'll deal with everything that we need. We just need the pharmacist, you know, to, to, to give, the rec- give them the recommendation, make sure they're okay with the recommendations and, um, and, and call the patients and bring them in and do all that. He's like, okay, that sounds like a great idea. So we started with just me. Uh, mm-hmm. There was, when we opened Marexa at the time, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of patients that nobody really reached out to because nobody had a program at the time and mm-hmm. extremely overwhelmed. <laughs> and one of the things that I realized later, later that I did not come up with the idea by myself. I actually learned that from going to all these conferences that I've been to. So APHA and ASHP and the local Florida Pharmacy Association. And there was a lot of discussions about MTMs and how, why they're important and, and what their value is. And I've realized that I've took that idea from these conferences. It was just always in the back of my mind. But we started the program. I was really overwhelmed in the beginning. I couldn't get to all the things that I needed to get to. Um, it was very financially, very profitable for the pharmacy, but also it helped us bring patients in with their, um, with their medications we worked with them and said, okay, here's the medications that extra, like, you know, we had classic patients. Why are you taking warfarin? Um, I don't know. I had a hip surgery two years ago and I'm still taking it. <laughs> um, so kind of simple things like that, but this is very valuable for the patients. And after they say, oh, well, like nobody ever asked me these questions before. Like, I want to move my medications to your pharmacy now. I want you guys to do... Um, um, to do all my medications. So we're able not only to bring revenue from the MTM service, but also we show the value of, of kind of consolidations and trying to increase that polypharmacy part of, of for patients. Um, so it was very successful and he wanted to do more of it. So we started doing more MTMs, but I also started school again. So I wasn't able to do all of that. Um, so we came up with the idea of like hiring more interns. So we got six interns um, to join us at the time. And they were able to kind of uh, split the work and we were able to work on a compensation package um, for them as well to be not just here's $14 an hour as an intern, but you actually have a skin in the game. You you have an opportunity to make extra money for yourself if depending on how much you do and, and the type of recommendations that you make. Um, mm-hmm. That's really how that program started. And um, after that, we really took all the way from south of Tampa all the way up to Fort Myers, um, which is about a three-hour span that we're able to get to. And um, we got to a point where we started going to patients' homes because they're like, well, we can't come, but nobody else is doing this. So we were able to um, 
travel to see those patients at home and help them with their medications. Um, at the same time, we also had a delivery service. So if the patients need the medications, we'll be able to deliver to them to their house. And that was prior to Amazon and, and Walgreens doing all these delivery services. It was really just independent pharmacies um, that were doing those services. So that's really how it all started and the story behind it. And um, it was it was very financially, you know, um, and, and there was a big financial incentive to do it, not for the pharmacy only, but also for the interns and, and for myself to manage that program and make it successful. Um, after I left, they continue with the program. Um, and I don't know if it's still going today, but um, at the time, after three years after I left, they were still doing that program. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready-to-use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. That's amazing. Um, and you know, I, I love that you align the incentives to, uh, make it work for the, the intern. So, um, you know, it's kind of how we're going towards, um, with these new models is, all right, well, we got to align the incentives appropriately. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think that that's great that they, that they had skin in the game and and that you were able to kind of orchestrate all of that. Um, it's also neat that, uh, it was such a, a non-traditional, um, method and I, and you know, your story is kind of similar to mine in that, uh, volunteer experience, uh, led to a full-time or, you know, a, an employment opportunity. So um, I think it's always great to put yourself out there and, um, you know, never uh, always be open to opportunities. So, um, and sometimes you have to create them for yourself. So, uh, which you did, obviously. Yeah, I think the other part too, is always throw everybody's like, well, where will you volunteer? I don't only want to work in a soup kitchen or I don't want to do that. It's It's really more about what you're passionate about as long as you find a cause that you're passionate about. And for me, that was, and the reason I'm still with Ascension um, and I've stayed with Ascension, I did my PGY-1 in a safety net hospital. And um, I really, that's what I'm passionate about is helping those that are poor and vulnerable. These are the population that I'm passionate about helping. Um, so it's really, for me, it wasn't, you know, going there to volunteer. Um, it was really because I was passionate about that topic and uh, I really want to get more experience and, and in the clinical world as well, because I focus so much on the, on the leadership and um, growth and character development that I didn't, I wanted to bring that skills up a little bit more. Um, but, and that opportunity came up and I still, still volunteered at the clinic as well. And we able to do a lot of work um, between the ambulatory care site, as well as the pharmacy. So my advice for the student is look for, if you're interested about clinical work, there is always an opportunity to volunteer at your local clinics. And if they say they don't have anything for you from pharmacy, you know, I did what a medical assistant used to do. Um, And that's how it started. Um, But 
Um, and and that's such a great example of of showing how a collaborative practice agreement works, um, and how it really benefited the physicians because they didn't want all of that administrative burden of having to get calls and things um, about oh can't read this prescription or we don't have this in stock. Um, and so that's something that we recommend uh, frequently um, with the dispensary of hip inventory is setting up uh, some type of therapeutic interchange. So I think that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also interesting that you guys uh, were even doing, y'all were on the early end of doing um, home visits and things. How did you guys decide to do that versus doing the MTM on the phone? Yeah. Um, so we had a lot of, you know, living in Florida um, and especially in the, the Fort Myers Bradenton area. So there is a running joke in Florida says, you know, uh, people who are retiring move to Florida. Mm-hmm. Of those retired people uh, go live in Fort Myers and to, and Bradenton. So it's, it's a very older populations. Um, it, they're very difficult. They're, they're hearing issues. They can't read their medications. Mm. Uh, can't drive anywhere. So it is very difficult to, to make that communication and, and tell them exactly how they need to take their medications. Um, and that's what we decided is like, okay, well, can we just drive an hour to see that patient? Um, and then we'll be able to either get them to switch their pharmacy, we'll be able to ship the, the things to them or drive to them if, if, if it's needed. And that's part of being an independent pharmacy where you put the patient first. And for us, it wasn't really about the, the profit that we made, it was, it was, it, you know, for us, it's like, well, we can't just pick and choose what patients we're going to help. That's, that's the first part, at least from my perspective mm-hmm. is, is great. Well, oh, sorry. We're only going to help you even within 20 mile radius. If you're out, you're out of luck and good luck to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's not really the, the path that I wanted to take. Uh, but it also getting to know these patients and, and they see that, okay, they're independent pharmacies and, um, that can actually help us. And if we need something, we'll just call and they'll get it delivered to us or get it mailed to us. So that's why we decided to go outside of, um, you know, driving an hour, an hour and a half um, to see those patients. Um, for us, it was, it was not only a clinical learning opportunity because these patients has a lot of medications. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that we, it was still pretty profitable because we were able to change a lot of these medications or patients who are on diabetes were not on ACE inhibitors or you know, patients taking protonics because they were in the ICU three years ago and, and they still take in protonics for that, um, uh, for stress also prophylaxis because nobody ever stopped it and, and so on. So we're able to decrease the number of medications, but we're also able to bring the patients into the pharmacy. Um, and that's why it was still valuable. It was still a good business yeah. case to do it because it was a business case. Um, it just turned out to be a business case um, and it was profitable afterwards. Yeah, and it and it made more sense to use your resources to have the student interns doing that versus the pharmacist. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. yeah, that that makes it makes it definitely um, work uh, dollars wise. And you know, again, you guys are already kind of thinking ahead. Um, now we're so focused in healthcare on on patient centric and how to improve the customer experience and. You know, I think that there are a lot of different ways that technology can do that. But you got, you know, sometimes it's just that face-to-face, a little bit more of that personal touch, and it makes all the difference. So 
Um, awesome. And so another thing too, out of your story, um, you mentioned some of the professional organizations and that you had gotten ideas and things from that. Talk a little bit more about your involvement or, um, you know, what, what, how being involved in a professional organization has benefited you, um, throughout your career and with these opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, when I was a student, um, I'll, I'll fully transparent, not the best student the LECOM has ever had. Um, I don't like being in class. Um, so LECOM is, is very um, passionate about having people being in class and, and, and being attentive and being there and the, the professionals in part. But I really wanted to see what else is out there and, and learning from conferences. Um, so I went to about 18 to 19 conferences during pharmacy school. Oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was quite expensive. Um, but um, I honestly, I've, the, the connections and the, the, that you make out of a networking, uh, you make out of these conferences, as well as just ideas like, like starting collaborative practice agreement. I, I learned that from a gentleman in California at the time mm-hmm. um, when it's starting. And, and again, I reached out to him and I was like, okay, so can you give me an example of what a collaborative practice agreement looked like? And we just took that, we changed it. At the time in Florida, it was still a gray area, um, but... You know, it was not illegal at the time to do that. Um, and I've learned from a law professor, it's legal unless it's illegal to do that. So um, we, we moved on and we developed those uh, practice agreements, but also a lot of learning about how everybody else from a business perspective, so the payers, and, and I didn't know about MTMs um, unless, until I went to one of the conferences with, with APHA and, and the gentleman was talking about all, how you get in the MTM and how do you start the service and, and you know, the... the how to, to justify the service and, and so on. Um, I also learned a lot about um, like developing EHR integration and like how do you give access. Um, uh, there was, I think it was at the time it was from Arizona um, that I learned that, yeah, it's okay to give pharmacy access to healthcare records and, and because it's, it's appropriate and you're not going in and le- learning about things that irrelevant to the patient, you're learning about how to treat your patient appropriately. Um, so it helped us get over some of the um, angst that we had some from some of the residents or the physician. They're like, well, why does the pharmacy need to have access to a patient record? And always my argument was like, well, what do you think your inpatient pharmacy do when you prescribe a medication? Mm-hmm. Uh, they go in and they look at the, the, um, at the patient and they verify your order and, uh, and they send it out to the, to the, to the nurses. So it's, it's really no different except that patient is taking it to go home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of, that's how I learned about all these things from what's, what's out there at the time that was brand new, uh, very innovative. Um, and, you know, the, it was easy to network with these people and, and say, okay, well, can you send me that? Like, how did you guys do this? And I, cause I had a lot of questions. I was P3 student at the time and didn't really understand anything about business. My, my major was in biology. So, um, I didn't understand how to build business cases. I didn't understand like the, the finances behind it and, and how to get paid and how to develop that service. So it was very helpful going to all these meetings and uh, and just learning about it. And um, uh, and honestly, to 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 be, um, I did better than my colleague, my peers, in some exams because I will go to the classes that were relevant to my next exam and these conferences, and I learn more being there than I do learn in in school. So. It, it kind of benefited me in both ways as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, having an outgoing personality and, and to be able to see the value in that is, um, part of the, part of it too. But I love, uh, I, I mean, I think that going to conferences is probably one of my favorite things because, uh, mostly part of it is the networking. Um, Mm -hmm. so definitely some of the, some great relationship building, um, through that, um, 17 or 18, that's a lot. (laughs) As a, as a student, you know, it's people say, well, I can't afford it. I'll afford it when I'm a pharmacist. I always joke like, now I'm a pharmacist. I can't afford to go to conferences anymore. Um, it's it's a lot cheaper and a lot more convenience, um, to go in. And especially if you would be able to share the rooms with other people and exactly. some pay for part of your, of your conferences as well, depending on which conference you go to, um, yeah. are able to, to make, to considerably decrease the cost. Yeah. Um, fortunately you can't do that when you're a pharmacist. No. And yeah, exactly. You, you can't really share rooms anymore. You've got to take off time from work sometimes, um, yeah, definitely take. And I always um, tell students to take advantage of all of the certifications and things because that is much cheaper to do as a student as well. So, like, knock mm-hmm. out that you know diabetes certification and and mental health first aid yeah. and everything else. So, yeah. um, and it, it, especially like local conferences, like you. I'm, I mean, I was really surprised on how many local conferences there were. Um, that I was able to take off school to go to. Yeah. So it, it really doesn't have to go to New Orleans or, or you know, Vegas or ASHP mid-year or APHA annual meeting. Mm-hmm. It, it leverage a lot of those local, uh, usually have better content for sometimes than the those big national meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've even found, um, I enjoy attending some of the uh, non-pharmacy specific. So I like going to Becker's, um, hospital mm-hmm. review. You've got a, a good mix. Um, and honestly, some of the HIMSS conferences, uh, you know, I'm not an informatics pharmacist, but I think that, um, I think even ASHP's 2030 practice advancement initiative, one of their recommendations is that pharmacists are, know how to use analytics and, um, know how to utilize, information technology. So not to say that you've got to be an expert in it or, or necessarily focus in that, but I think that, um, you know, we need to be open to some of these new technologies and, and be able to, um, to use and lead, and lead in that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, well, so Mo, so your, so your current role, you're the, um, you're overseeing a lot of the compliance and regulations. And of course we know pharmacy is a very regulated industry. What are some of the, the top priorities that you're working on, uh, in that space? Yeah. And I always joke, uh, Hillary, like my, my job is a lot more exciting than it sounds. Um, <laughs> Usually regulatory compliance is is not that exciting. Um, But so we have a lot of work um, that we need to do. And and I think every organization has pretty much the same challenges that we see. Um, Part of my my best part of my most fun part at work is going through something we call introspections. Um, So it's a process that was developed by Ascension and the resource group um, to go from site to site and figure out what the best practices that they do 
Um, oftentimes, even as a large system, we're not really sure what everybody's doing that's really good practice that we can implement somewhere else. And oftentimes when we find out people who've been doing something for a long time, they don't realize it's a good practice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, oh yeah, I don't, we didn't think that was a really good practice. We're like, well, nobody else does this. So this is awesome. And um, being able to learn about the different, different sites. And what we found is every site, and even outside of Ascension, have the same challenges. And I think currently the biggest challenge that I think everybody's going through is the changes in the United States Pharmacopeia 797 and 800 standards for sterile and non-sterile compounding. Um, that's a really a big um, challenge, I think, for a lot of sites. Um, Ascension is, is no different uh, because there is a big complex organization. Uh, we're able, luckily, to, to work as a system to secure funding to make sure all of our sites are up to 797, 800 standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working with, with the different stakeholders to make sure that we have appropriate education and competencies, um, as well as policies and procedures set in place to make sure that we meet um, all of all of those regulations and working on things just as simple as like, um, which glove do we use for which product? And most people say, okay, it's a chemo glove. We can use it for everything, but has it been studied in in, in the in whatever you're trying to compound? And, and oftentimes we find out areas that people didn't know that the gloves that they're using can't be used for a certain product because it was never studied in it, or it has a really low um, um, time that you can use it for. That's way less than the 30 minutes that they normally have to change gloves with. So just going into details, um, it, from the USB 797, USB 800. Um, I, I think it's especially now when we're not really sure what the future holds. Uh, we know it's going to be USB 797, 800, but we just don't know when. Um, and I think as, as an organization, we decided to move forward and, and make sure that everybody's USB 797, 800 compliant, um, regardless of when that takes some place, because that is the right thing to do for the patients. And it's also the right thing to do for our employees. Um, so that's been an area that I've been working on with with everybody else uh, in the system. The other part I think um, is something of a challenge is the control substance diversions um, and prescribing. And I'm thinking more on the diversion part, uh, not as much on the prescribing part, but trying to figure out what kind of a new systems that we can implement uh, to help the diversion. So there, I call them the drug diversion 2.0. So a lot of uh, new machine learning and artificial intelligence um, programs that are out there to help detect diversion and uh, help the pharmacies. Excuse me for a second. And um, and help the pharmacies figure out, um, you know, what kind of a nurse is at high risk for diversion. Um, figure out different areas that we have not really explored before. Um, so I'll give you an example. Like one of the areas that the current systems don't do is, hey, well, if you have an, an, a nurse that pulls a medication um, that is Zofran, uh, for example, or Benadryl to give to a patient that doesn't have those medications, but also pulls a morphine. Um, we start asking questions because these products mask the the stimulate the interactions with with uh, morphine. Let's look at you have morphine, but you're actually still in pain. Uh, but that nurse then take the the morphine out, and we've seen cases of that happening. Hmm. Um, the nurses come in early and they leave late and they use different patients. But, you know, all of these different criteria, uh, currently you have to look at them independently and put a story together. 
Uh, the new system are able to put all of those for you together and say, here's a case, you know, here's a timeline. Um, so we're really excited about that. I think for me, that's probably the most exciting thing um, that's going on in the drug diversion world is, is this new software and the artificial intelligence and machine learning to help us um, detect that and, and make sure that we reach our associates before they get to a point uh, where we're not able to help them anymore and, and make sure we provide them all the support that they need for recovery. Um, so uh, the other part is, you know, uh, joint commission. I think that's that's constant. Um, but working on making sure that all of our sites uh, meet the joint commission standards, uh, especially now, joint commission is really focusing on sterile compounding. So then, then goes back to the sterile compounding part as well. Um, but really, that's probably the most exciting things I work on is are the introspections um, and making sure that we're getting best practice from different sites, implementing them everywhere the sterile uh, compounding, as well as the uh, drug diversion. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that about the drug diversion and some of the new technologies. So that's really interesting. Um, So Mo, this has been such an interesting conversation. And um, I do want to end with our final question that I like to ask all the guests which is what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Yeah. Um, for me is when I started pharmacy school, I actually came from a research background. Um, so I wanted to go to pharmacy school and, um, you know, work on a lab, develop the work on the same things that I've been working on antimicrobials and, um, and P2 year, I was like, no, that's not what I want to do. i I really enjoy clinical work, so I want to be a little bit more clinical. And P3 years, I was like, nope, that's not for me either. So I am going to do into um, legal and legislative action because that's why I enjoyed going to um, working with the Florida Pharmacy Association and going to um, uh, the Capitol Hill and advocating for pharmacists and, and pharmacy students and pharmacy techs and all the things that we can provide to our patients. Um, and then P4, P, end of P3 year, I was like, I really enjoy that, but I also really enjoy leadership and, and getting, still impacting patients and, and changing things in, a, in a, a more grandiose way and rather than impacting one patient at a time. And that's when I really got into administration um, and leadership and, and trying um, to figure out what's the best way to provide care for patients and, and support the, the pharmacies that are on the front line to make sure that they are able to do the best job that they do. Um, so I'll tell myself is, is, and my younger self and everybody else is don't think that this is what you're going to do. Um, and if you're set on something that that's great, but also be open to opportunities, um, and different things. I enjoyed everything in pharmacy, um, from the community side to oncology, to pediatrics, to adults, to leadership. It was very hard to make my mind of what I really wanted to do in pharmacy. Um, but ultimately I found what I really enjoyed, which is getting, um, supporting others to do the job well mm-hmm. and then passionate about and help while helping patients. While I don't see patients anymore, um, I know everything that we do is, is make them make everything we provide to them safe and effective. So uh, that's, that's what I enjoy. So um, my advice to everybody who's younger, don't, don't set your mind on something, um, be open to different opportunities and you'll never know. I did not really know anything about corporate pharmacy at the time when I was a student, 
Um, and not till I PGY-1, um, I didn't either. I thought I was going to do into administration, do a PGY-2 in administration, work in, in the hospital. Um, then I stumbled upon this opportunity here at, at Ascension at the corporate office. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of things I don't know about pharmacy. Um, and so when I was talking to Lynn Eschenbacher at the time, who was the chief pharmacy officer now, and Nisha Bide, who was, who was the resident and the fellow there, I was like, what? what? Can you tell me more about exactly what you guys do? And like, oh, we do this and this and this and this. And I was like, I didn't even know pharmacists did that. Um, so be open to different opportunities and 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 um, and don't don't close the door and say, oh, well, I don't want to do, you know, PBM or I don't want to do community or I don't want to do a hospital or um, just be open to different opportunities and you'll never know where it takes you. Um, so that's really my my advice. Be involved. Um, I think being involved in a professional organization as a student, it's, it's really important. Um, and then you'll get to pick which organization you like the best and which one that connects with you the most. Um, because it's much easier to do that when you're a student rather than when you are um, a pharmacist. Um, you'll think you'll have more time, but you really won't. <laughs> um, and that's that's one of the other things. Be involved with your workplace. Um, I think students don't really think they can contribute to their workplace of employment. Um, and they think like, well, I'm just a student, whether they know, um, I know to tell them what they need to do, but really look for opportunity to say, Hey, how have you, have we thought about doing this this way? Can we do this better? Um, here's, here's an idea. People look for that, uh, in future candidates and that shows initiatives. Um, and it shows that you're interested in what you do. Um, so don't go to work saying I'm going to clock in and clock out. And, and that's what I'm going to do every day. Um, Really, looked, that's how I came with the opportunities to to do the MTM and to do collaborative practice agreement and, and to do all that work is because I went there and was like, okay, we can change a lot of stuff and um, we change a lot of workflow too. Um, I was Lean Six Sigma at the time as well and just standardizing processes and saying, okay, well, here's a better, probably a better way to do that. Um, let's try it. Let's see if it works. Um, and sometimes it doesn't, and that's that's okay. But don't be afraid to say something and say, you know, here's can we do this, or here's an idea that I have. You know, it may may have done it and never worked before, but they may have not thought about it. Um, especially for people who worked in a, in a place for a long time, uh, most people think, well, they worked here for a long time, so they must know how this is done. But sometimes you work in a place in a long time, and that becomes the norm, and you don't really see things in a different way. Um, but that will really be my advice for everyone um, as a student. Uh, that's so great. And, and you know, there's a lot in there that you shared. But I think one thing for sure to take away is just being open to trying new things. And um, I think being a student is a great place to do that. So, Mo, it was such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. It was a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm really glad we were able to share all of these things and hopefully um, share that with some students and then other even current pharmacists who may be able to take a look at that and say, yeah, you know what, there's other opportunities, there's things that I can do. Um, so I'm, thank you for uh, having me on here. It's, it's been a pleasure and it's kind of, it's, it's always good to reflect on how I came here and how I made it here and all the support from and all the mentors that, I, that I've had. So. Awesome. Thanks, Mo. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist. 
produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. 